You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Hello, Michael. Hello, Andre. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing all right. Are you ready for the 18th lockdown? Uh, I think this is number 23, is it not? Uh, 18, you've lost track. I, I, I can tell. I'm just, I still just remember, like, in the first year of lockdown that I was making the joke that it was, like, March 73rd and stuff like that as the, um, as the days kept going by. So I've lost track of, of what day of March it is, but it definitely feels like Groundhog Day has come early this year. Well, well, in theory, if you think that uh, we would go into two years as of this March, it would be day uh, 714. Is that, would that be correct? 714, 704, 704, day 730. 352 days in a year, so yeah, two years goes on, (laughs) it'll be March 704. Okay, so what we've learned from this exercise is that neither you nor I are good at math. I can tell you that a year is 525,600 minutes, and that's from being in choir and whatnot. Oh, well, that's from being in what? In, like, choir and whatnot, like, choral groups, that, that... it's a, it's a song from uh, the musical Rent that I don't particularly enjoy. Oh. Anyways, let's. I guess we should get... This is a wine podcast. We should be talking about wine. Um, where do we want to kick this off? Well, you know, you brought up an interesting topic um, uh, about, um, let's say, five minutes before you hit record okay and it was about the lcvo and i think you know what that's not a bad i i took that five minutes to think about it (laughs) and uh um and i thought maybe you should reiterate it and we should discuss it yeah i mean what i'm about to say is a completely baseless accusation i i have no evidence to support this so it's everything i'm about to say is anecdotal so if you're a, a lawyer from the lcbo listening to this i'm i'm not saying there's there is uh without a reasonable doubt anything sinister happening here but um i know through the month of november and december and i even know like for the product consultants in inside the lcbo we're all being warned that there is going to be a shortage of booze over the holidays and I have to say, uh, my experience going into the LCBO, I had no problems tracking down bottles of uh, Perrier Jouet Rosé. I had no problems um, buying Fayette, which is uh, a, my entry-level champagne of choice. Um, the shelves were not barren. The story that we were being sold by the LCBO, I, I don't think is reflected to what actually happened over the holidays. And I can't help but feel like it may have been this is conspiracy theory. I'm putting my tinfoil hat on. Hang on. Just... You don't even have any tinfoil in the room. I, I can don't tell, have any tinfoil in the room. I know that it's more of a, to... a Harry Potter uh, sorting hat. Yeah, yeah. Kind of okay. we, we've got that. But it's just, it's just I, I can't help but feel like they may have manufactured a story to just drive the sale of booze going into, going into January. Well, it's interesting. They didn't have a, a, a strike to, uh, to tout. Which is usually the one that uh, that drives everybody uh, into the LCBO. Um, so yeah, maybe I I cannot prove nor disprove your your uh, conspiracy theory. It makes sense. 
considering that uh, you know people can buy booze from a lot of different places now through yes. the pandemic, um, through bottle shops, through obviously wineries, uh, and. I don't think the LCBO has really felt the pinch, uh, although I have had a lot of people email me and say that they are noticing that the selection at the LCBO is less. Not necessarily the um, uh, the amount of bottles on the shelves, but the selection seems to be dwindling, and um, that is you know, something else to, to discuss, I suppose. I'd, I'd agree with that, but also I'm, I'm having a hard time assessing whether or not there's lower selection and it has to do with my change in, in locale. Like I live in, in Hamilton. My closest LCBO is the Barton center LCBO. And the, the staff there are fantastic, very good, friendly, knowledgeable staff, but the selection of wine at that LCBO is not, is not super duper, but I guess well, I, I, I I live close to the the one in St. Catharines that uh, that touts itself as being an Ontario store. I've always, you know, uh, uh, railed against the LCBO for having uh, an Ontario, the, you know, the you know the the locale stores that they have. You know, the they have one store that that specializes in South Africa and one that specializes in Chile and one that specializes in so you know if you're looking for specific products that the LCBO does carry they have a larger selection from that region why in God's name they put the Ontario one in Niagara I can't answer that question but yeah I mean and it's one of those things as well too is is I think we're now at a point where the most interesting wines from the province of Ontario are not hitting the shelves of the LCBO with a few handful of exceptions that roll through classics once in a while or um, roll through flagship stores or, or do the direct to, to store purchasing. I mean, um, if, if the LCBO is the place you get your booze, you're not getting the best uh, depth of producers from Ontario. No, and I don't think you ever were, to tell you the honest truth. I, I you know... Um wineries always use the LCBO as the the lost leader let's say you're going to get a you know uh, you're going to get a decent bottle or a good bottle of uh, Vineland Cab Franc for $14 $15 and that makes you go hey eh, we got to check out Vineland because this uh, this Cab Franc is pretty outstanding uh, so that, that um, being said that being said I mean you know it's why I'm really I'm, I'm really really careful with with um, with how I choose my words though is you know our our friends at Featherstone and Flat Rock. I mean, they those are wineries that do rely on the LCBO to help them move their products because they don't do a lot of licensee sales, and their products are mainstays on the shelf of the LCBO. And also, not bad in terms of of quality. They're they're both wineries that you and I both enjoy talking about regularly. Yes, and I and I you know those are the exceptions to the rule. Like what I'm talking about, you you get a lot of say Trius wines on the LCBO shelves, but the really good Trius wines, the really, you know, outstanding Trius wines are to be found at Trius. Definitely. Um, and this, and the same can be said for anyone like Hidden Bench, uh, Foreign Affair, uh, you name the, 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 the wine that goes through the LCBO and, you, you know, either through, either through, um, you know, the general list, uh, or through, uh, the vintages catalog. Um, they are not really uh, going to be the best of the best of that winery. It's going to be a good wine that's going to get you to come back or come to the winery. Yeah, 
Nope. Um, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I know, I guess we're seeing the Ford government making changes quickly to help uh, modernize the, the booze industry, but it's still just heartbreaking that I don't think there's anything on the horizon. You know, there's a lot of people jumping up and down across all sectors as we head into the new lockdown, asking for support from the government. But, you know, I still think that the biggest uh, wasted opportunity during the pandemic has been the government helping to give a leg up to um, wineries of Ontario. And I realize that the wineries of Ontario are not, um, you know, curing cancer or anything like that. But um, even even with the uh, alleged booze shortage, the fact that there was no mention from the government outside the LCBO that they can support local or do anything to help promote visiting the local wineries, it's been up to them to sort of hunger games it out and, and, and build their own platform, you know? Yeah, and um, I really don't know where to go with that, Andre. Ah. <laughs> I don't like I said. Yeah. I just I think it's I think it's. I like I like the Hunger Games metaphor. That's a, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, well, I I mean I don't. I just I'm I'm still just continually continually frustrated that you know the government didn't do anything, didn't you know reduce their their markups to local wineries throughout the pandemic, things like that. They just continued to cash the checks, right? Yeah, no, they weren't. Um, they're, they have they have never been helpful. I don't expect them to be helpful in the future. Um, uh, I, I am I am I am hopeful that the the government will come through with what what they promised. Um, sadly, because we are um, you know in lockdown number you know twenty three or whatever we we decided it was uh, that that is where their uh, their focus is, and it's not on the smaller issues that. Uh, um, uh, that that hit everybody's pocketbook. Although the wineries are touting that that the government has made made their promises, that certain you know clawbacks will will come back to them, uh, and that they're going to extend programs and make things better. And uh, let's let's just hope they do and and don't get sidetracked by Omicron, which you know if, if we're going to be honest, I think we're all going to get it at some point. But yeah, well, but I mean, apart from that, like it's 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 promising clawbacks and programs like that, and I understand that the government has to do a delicate dance dealing with. Um, with foreign trading partners and things like that, but um, the fact that none of these things are, are set in stone make it a challenge for you know people who are looking to expand business or be able to plan going forward what it is that you know what what it is they're working with. Yeah, they can't figure out how much wine to make or if they're going to need a surplus or if they're going to have a surplus. Uh, yeah, it's very and coming off of the twenty twenty one season obviously is 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 kind of difficult as well. Well, there we go. Which we which we heard a lot about. So. Well, there we go. And there we go. Um. So. How are you going to handle the lockdown, Andre? How am I going to handle the lockdown? Are you um, are you going to are you going to be drinking more or are you going to be drinking less? Um. Well, I. Philosophically, I hate the term resolution because I I feel like as soon as you declare something as a resolution, you're giving yourself permission to fail because I, I I think it's just the, it, it's just the given fact that. You know, like I, I don't even have a percentage, but I think ninety nine percent of people who make New Year's resolutions don't stick with them, right? I promise to talk less on the podcast. I'm trying to do that. This <laughs> um, I plan on coping with the lockdown. I've, I've I've noticed that like I went from my 2020 where I was like super super healthy, lost a bunch of weight. Uh, 
did a good job kind of maintaining it. But then I moved to a city that inadvertently is like the pizza capital of, of Canada. If you're looking for really good pizza, come to Hamilton. Like there's a million places that are all fantastic. So my weight's been creeping back up. So I have decided to do a dry January, dry-ish January and February. I have a few um, wine-related commitments I'm not going to cancel for dogmatic reasons like i'm not going to do dry january just for the sake of doing it if it's going to hurt any professional activities but i've decided to take the next two months and really do as many dry days as possible on top of eating a hell of a lot more vegetables and a lot less dough with tomato sauce and cheese on it and that's how i'm going to cope with lockdown the tomato sauce is made with tomatoes so they are good for you by the way i guess I, I don't think I've, I've made uh, uh, much of a resolution this year. Uh, you know, just uh, try to work on myself a little bit. Um, try to be less angry on the podcast. Um, as I said, uh, not talk as much over you is 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 going to be one that I'd, I'd like to try and do. Although uh, I can't imagine that I'll hold that one up much longer than February. We'll see how it goes. I mean, we we do have some very ambitious plans for the year that we are going to start working on immediately now that we're getting into the first uh, the first week of of January. But we do need to start talking to some of the Apasimento winemakers, and I don't know. We'll we'll see uh, we'll see if you can do that without being angry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not angry at Apasimento. I'm I'm just uh, I just think it's something we should uh, not not be doing here, uh, and not with the grapes that we are doing it with. How about that? Uh, but I am, I, you know, and and I am uh, uh, looking forward maybe to be proven wrong, but probably going to be gleeful when proven right. We'll see. I mean, I, I am I am looking forward to that. Um, do you have anything else that you're planning on doing to cope with the lockdown, though? Um, no. You know what? Uh, I, I work from home mostly. Um. I'm, I'm going to try myself to uh, not drink as much uh, because my I, too, have, uh, you know, seen weight creep up, not just because of pizza, but just because of everything else uh, and not doing much. Right. Um, you don't you don't go out and run and frolic one in the winter. Uh, not that many of us frolic these days. Well, it was uh, the thing, it's the thing I came to the because re- I've just been I've just been trying to be more mindful of like my surroundings and um just what events impact my behaviors and what's going on. So I was a cyclist. I I became a cyclist in 2020 and I cycled all the way through winter before changing jobs. And, you know, it's one of the things about being in the wine industry and also being a cyclist where you become acutely aware of the weather. I haven't been on my bike in a month, but we also haven't had more than two consecutive days of sunshine pretty much since the end of August. And, it feels. It does feel that way. It, it does. I think. I think you're a little bit, uh, a little bit off. I think there was. Uh, there was about eight days in November that we had, which was surprisingly yes. after uh, the wet October we had. I think we had the uh, November first through the eighth, which is where I think uh, uh, Stratus and uh, and Strewn probably thought about picking their cab so <laughs> before letting it hang till December. But uh, no, actually, you're correct. I, I those digress. were those were days I hopped on my. Uh, those are my days now that that, that I remember because I, I remember we had one where it was like 17 degrees. I mean, it was still yeah. a little bit of a chill in the air with the wind, but uh, I hopped on my bike and, and met my wife at the GO station because uh, she's still commuting. And 
uh, was able to do that. I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to lie, like, biking in minus 15 when I don't have to do it just doesn't have any appeal to me. And um, plus, you, plus, you now own a car. So uh, it, it becomes a, a, a simpler. Uh, a simpler thing. Well, and it's right? the first thing. Oh, well, is I, I'll, I, I'll just take the car instead of standing and waiting for a bus. And that's it. And, and like, I, I told myself that I didn't want to become that type of, of car owner where I was taking the car out of convenience when I, I can make similar time on my bicycle. But frankly, it's just, I, I've become that car owner. It's, it's part of the culture of living in, in Hamilton. Hamilton, Hamilton has adequate public transit, um, especially with where Anya and I live close to downtown. Uh, but I think it would be, it'd be tough to not have a car in the city. I, I think St. Catharines is very similar. Uh, St. Catharines kind of reminds me of, um, uh, of London when I lived there for a while, uh, London, Ontario, obviously, but, um, it, 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 the bus system here is is very, I'm going to say silly. Um, I remember getting on a bus uh, in London, and um, it was going north, and I thought, yes, that's the way I want to go. So I am going to get on the northbound bus and end up at the shopping mall that is, you know, five kilometers away. Well, it turns out that I should have got on the southbound bus, and that would have turned around and gone north. As it was, I sat on the bus for about an hour while it made its route and then came back to where I could have got on and gone north. Uh, St. Catharines is very similar. You get on a bus and next thing you know, it's going down as many side streets as you can possibly imagine. Yep. Well, I guess that we, we, we are now um, exploring the, um, the public transit branch of Two Guys Talking Wine. Yeah. And uh, had I had I been uh, wise, I probably would have packed a bottle of wine for that bus ride. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Just to bring it back to 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 a, a All wine. All right, I, I, I'm sure there's other people listening to us who uh, are also doing Dry January. Do you have any any strategies that you've put in place to uh, to offer alternatives to to imbibing on on weekdays or during the month? Do I? Yeah. Um. Uh, no, okay, uh, I, I, I figure that I'm probably going to have something to drink on Fridays, uh, and probably Saturday. I try not to have anything through the week. Um, but, uh, some days just, just, you know, uh, you end up going, well, how about sharing some Zoblanc or let's open up a uh, rosé or, or sparkling wine or, or something. And you end up doing that, but it's, I'm trying not to do it every single day. I think that's what it is. You try to be mindful. Like to like yesterday I had some wine. So today I'm not going to. Well, there you go. I haven't had anything since the third when that was, uh, yeah, that was the last day of my holidays. And, uh, yeah, I, no, I guess no, I, I just try, I try not to have wine two days in a row well, there except you go. for Friday and Saturday. Well, there you go. Okay, so you've already got the caveats to that. Um, did you drink anything outstanding over the holidays? Uh, I, I think you. I don't know if you mentioned on the podcast, but you were down in in Florida, and you have that. Uh, that ma was that magic store open where you get a card and you get to taste everything. Yes, actually, it's called the Wine Room, which was pretty neat. Um, and that's uh, you 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 put money on the card, and you can give yourself a one ounce pour, a three ounce pour, or a five ounce pour. Um, so we 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 went there, and that was that was pretty pretty fun. Uh, to taste uh, different wines, um, 
it is, I'll be honest, it is an expensive store. It's not uh, the, the you know, it's not your value-priced place unless something's on sale. Uh, and when I was there 15 years ago, believe it or not, Andre, which was the last time I was there because I showed them my card and she looked at it and she said, oh my God, this thing's got to be like 15 years old. Um, so it, good for them for being open that long. Uh, but um uh, then I, and I know we have, we have, we had my last bottle of Lytton Springs together. Yes. Uh, and that's where I had bought it because it was on sale for, I think, $21. Oh my God. Uh, now, now, you know, Lytton Springs is, you know, way up there. And, and again, I was, I, I saw it on the shelf and I took a look and I thought, Oh, I wonder if the, the Ridge is on sale. Maybe I'll get another bottle and no. So how much was it? If you don't mind me asking, cause I know I, right now the LCBO that, Actually, you tell me how much it is, and then I'll. I I, I want to say it was well into the forties, if oh. not high. Uh, I I would have bought that just simply because that is a bit of a bargain compared to what the LCBO sells it for. It's an eighty dollar bottle, the LCBO. Oh. See, I thought it was fifty three or or something a little higher than that, but I remember going, "Oh, that's not the twenty one dollars I wanted it to be." Let's take a look here. Looking at the LCBO website, Geyserville seventy four ninety five at the LCBO. Yeah, that's the that's the Geyserville. I was looking at the Litton Springs, but yeah, uh, but I did get to try uh, a little bit of the of the current release. Uh, Litton Springs uh, also seventy four ninety five. Yeah, so fifty three doesn't seem seem wrong. So not a not a huge uh, not a huge savings. So I didn't. Uh, but I ended up at a place called ABC Liquors in Florida, which is a great place. Great. Do they place sell anything but Chardonnay. Uh, they sell a lot of Chardonnay, it turns out, but, uh, that's why I went in there because I thought they did everything but Chardonnay, anything but Chardonnay. And it it turns out I was wrong, but, uh, I did pick up some good Cabernet. So is, is that the one, wait, is that the one where you got the, uh, the Washington wine with that, uh, nifty label? Yes. The, uh, the Oregon wine made from Washington fruit. Yes. Which, which when I was down in, in, in Oregon happens a lot more than I think people, people realize. Well, it's because their AVAs, you know, go into one, especially in northern Oregon and southern Washington, their their uh, AVAs go into one another. So it's pretty interesting. Yes. Yes, it is. So, yeah. Yeah. But, and, yeah. Uh, did I try anything interesting? I, I did a lot of, of comparisons um, uh, through Instagram. That's one of the things I, I did. Um, uh, I found older bottles in my wine cellar and I just started pitting them one against the other, find out which one was, which one was better. And, um, I always had one bottle that was better than the other. Thank goodness. Um, and, uh, it was, it was interesting to see how many people voted on, on certain wines that they thought, Oh, that's going to be the better of the wine. And I'm thinking, Whew, they are wrong. How often, how, how often were people right or wrong? I've actually been enjoying, uh, very much enjoying um, going through that with you. And you're, you're pretty good at tagging me when you post the, the new stuff. So, um, You know what? It was probably a 50-50 split about how many times people were, uh, were right about what wine they thought was going to be the better one, meaning the, the higher one in the poll. Um, uh, there, there was one that everybody thought was, and I, and I, sad, sadly, I can't remember which one it was, but and I too was like, oh, it's definitely going to be that wine. And then when I tasted them, it was like, nope, surprisingly, it was the other one. 
Are you going to? Are you going to continue that? I had, I had connoisseur wines from 2002, which were supposed to be like um, fantastic wines and ageable, and they were under plastic cork, and they turned out to be a mess. But I'd like to, you know, I'd like to tip my hat uh, to uh, to connoisseur uh, because they were right on it. They, uh, you know, the, first of all, they liked the post that I was looking at older wines, um, and they told me to enjoy. And then when I posted that they were under plastic and just nasty, they they wrote me back and apologized for my experience. And they actually had somebody from their marketing department or their, um, I think it was marketing, get a hold of me, and uh, you know they apologized, blah blah blah. And I wrote them back and I said, look. <laughs> I should not be keeping, uh, you know, twenty-year-old wines uh, of this nature. Um, what used to be called the Vision line, and uh, then he wrote me back and he said, "No, no, they were meant to age because they are are what is now their, you know, twenty-barrel series or, um, you know, we've had the twenty-barrel Pinot Noir and stuff like that, and that's what Vision wines turned into. So they're saying, you know, that that they were meant to age." And today I just got an email from them that they said they were going to send me uh, some of the current vintages of those wines and a backup bottle so that I can age them 20 years and then prove that their wines can age 20 years. Wow. Uh, How's that for customer service and also an example of how to run your online presence properly when, uh, when you're a large company? Yeah, I was I was not expecting it in any way, shape, or form. I even told them, uh, you know, you you don't need to do that. You know, I sh- I kept them way too long, and they were like, nope, the they should have they should have at least aged. They should have at least been drinkable. You know, blah blah. So I was like, all right, well, I guess so. I guess in twenty years, I'm going to have some connoisseur wine to to do that exact same poll with. That is that is fascinating. I wonder if they would have a have a library to dig into where where you'd have an opportunity to go back and see when they stopped using plastic corks. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I'm still just mystified at how people, how many people and how many large wineries went all in on, on plastic cork at the time, because it didn't take much time to realize that it doesn't do any favors to the wine. No, I think, uh, Ontario was big. When I was opening my 2004s and fives and sixes, we were, we were using them at that time. Uh, the connoisseur in Chile was using them in 2002, uh, so they probably used them for a few years there. It just, uh, yeah, as you said, it took a long time or it took, took at least three or four years before they stopped being so prevalent. Um, you can still find them occasionally, but I still wish that people would put on the back of the bottle sealed with a synthetic cork. Uh, it wouldn't stop me from buying. It wouldn't stop me from buying, but it probably would stop, stop me from, me from buying as many. Interesting. And, and you still... <sighs> We don't need to get into an argument about the sugarcane, the sugarcane corks. I mean, you do make a, a strong point that there. It, it seems like they appeared and then disappeared as quickly as possible. And I do remember like Thomas talking to us about. I can't remember if he did that on the podcast or if it was on an in in another another platform. But like you are correct to point out that like they they've kind of come in and gone out. But I still maintain that they aren't plastic. No, but I don't think the ageability on them is 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 going to be as good as either screw cap or. Um, or natural cork, and if you have those two options to you, why are you looking for something else? Yeah, fair enough. Um, should, should I go over some of the stuff that I drank? Uh, sure. Late in the year, you you had a hookers and blow night. I know. Uh, yes, I I did. Um, 
And I, have we have we explained that on the podcast properly? H and not sure if you've ever explained it. Okay, so it's it's me and a group of friends were at in the middle of the lockdown. Um, we just decided to find a way to to buy bottles of wine we wouldn't otherwise be able to afford. Um, during the first lockdown, we did twenty dollars a week over the course of three months, and it added up to like a thousand dollars really quickly. And we used it to buy a bottle of Krug and a couple of bottles of Burgundy, and that was our, our bubble when we did that that, that um, for Christmas uh, last year. So for twenty twenty one. Um, for 2021, we lowered it back to $10 a week, and we've kind of been buying choice bottles throughout the year. And we decided just to continue this because it's been a nice experiment. And and one of our friends in the in the group has a lot of wine education, so frankly, I just enjoy watching her reaction when we're opening bottles way too young. But I mean, it's kind of the point of the group is to be like we're we call it we call it hookers and blow because we're spending money like we have nothing better to spend the money on, right? Well, and it's also that really here. funny clip when when uh, it's an old news clip that went viral when uh, uh, a, a reporter asked someone what they were going to do if they won the lottery, and they said they were going to spend it on that. So, I mean, this is our lottery spending. Ah, got it. So I opened up a vintage bottle of 2006 Krug, which I think came to us at the tune of $460, and... I didn't think that we got the extra like hundred and or two hundred and thirty dollars, four hundred and sixty dollars. It was. It's about a hundred and ten dollars more than a regular bottle of Krug, and I don't know if it was if it was worth the money. And, um, a twenty seventeen Paul Jaboulet in a Hermitage La Chapelle that was three hundred and sixty dollars. Very much enjoyed it. Had to spend a long time in a decanter to open up. I also don't know if that was worth the money. I understand that if you open up a 20-year-old bottle of that, it is worth the money. And even longer. And that's the discussion that we had at the table. Because apparently it's a thing with uh, with Northern Rome wines, with Hermitage and St. Joseph. Is there's a short window when you first get them that they taste really good, young and vibrant. And then they go to sleep for like 20 years. And then they open up again. Um, so, I mean, it's it's certainly not something that I would shy away from like given the fact that the whole reason we do this is to spend money that we otherwise wouldn't be able to like i have no problem i have no problem with us putting putting this experiment together again the third one we opened was a rain chardonnay uh made by carlo mandavi grandson of robert mandavi 135 dollars the least californian californian chardonnay i've ever tasted but definitely the best wine of the three and i'm not just saying that because it was chardonnay it's um from sonoma uh, alcohol is like 12.5%, but everything about the wine just is so well-focused and put together. And should you have the means, I highly recommend it. Interesting. And a Chardonnay, nonetheless. Yes, and a Chardonnay, nonetheless. And uh, everybody will be sad to learn that we have taken the Chardonnay off the swear jar menu. But I, prom- I you, you promise to not talk over me. I promise to be more balanced. Uh, I... I really enjoyed the fact that we've now got like themes for the year. I think we did a really great job with Cabernet Franc. And I know people who've messaged on Instagram, um, the response to having that last year was really good. And, um, you know, we've, we've done a good job retiring this, the swear jar, cleaning up our, cleaning up our language. And we owe Brian Schmidt, hang on. I have the final tally from last year, $60 and 80 cents for his efforts in Haiti. Excellent. We will, uh, we will have that to you, Brian. I hope you're listening. Um, 
we'll find not, another we way to make a time. donation this year, even though we're not swearing anymore. Because it's been, I think it's been like three years of the of the swear jar. So uh, it's it's time it's time to retire it and and elevate this podcast because uh, we are still we are still growing. We had more listeners in 2021 than in in uh, 2020, and we uh, very much appreciate everyone who takes the time to listen and to support the podcast. Yeah, and so now I think we can wrap her up, Andre. Oh, for I guess the that's first part one for 2021, I should have oh, gone, gone right into um, Patreon, patreon.com slash two guys talking wine. And, and also thank you to everyone for the feedback on the, uh, the year end reflection that we did. Um, man, that was a wild tasting and everyone who uh, enjoyed the Toronto life column that we columns that we put together. I don't think anyone will know how much work that was. Well, I think we told them on the podcast. So, well, there we go. Again, I'm Andre Proof from underwinerview.ca. Follow me on social media and uh, make sure you subscribe. Take us away, Michael. I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Uh, you can find me on social media as the Grape Guy and sometimes as Michael Pincus. And as always, well, first of all, Andre, Happy New Year, Happy 2022. I hope it is a happy year. But for now, good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.